Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. Uh, I'm flying solo today. Gary had a meeting. Uh, I'm not invited to the meetings because I'm, you know, kind of unprofessional in those meetings, I guess. Uh, today we're with Paul Taylor, the head coach of the Utah Outliers. Paul, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I know I've wanted you on here for a while and, you know, like three or four years ago, we had Jake LeMay on, talked about the Ogden Mustangs. And it was a completely different league back then. You guys have been doing uh, just fighting tooth and nail to be in better leagues and give your guys better chances to move on to NCAA. Um, so I've, I've wanted to have you guys on because you're like the other part of that. I know there are a couple other teams here in Utah, but the rivalry you guys have is pretty awesome. And we'll talk about that in a second. But what I want to talk to you about first is tell us a little bit about yourself as a player. What was your, where did you grow up? Where did you play? Yeah, so I grew up in Vancouver, Canada, um, you know, started playing hockey at a young age, like most Canadian kids. And, um, you know, as I made my way through youth hockey, I played in the BCHL. So I played for a couple teams there for a few years. And then I moved on to play Division One hockey at Northern Michigan University. And after playing there, I moved on to play professionally in, you know, different minor leagues in the American League, the International League, the East Coast League, and a little bit of a stint in Europe. And then once I was done that, I moved on into coaching. You were a goalie, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I thought so. Um, all right, so how did you end up in Utah? Was it just you got an offer to come coach the team? No, actually, I was running a program in Dallas. So we had a AAA hockey program and an academy and a junior team there. And actually, one of my really good friends that I grew up with, he owned the Salt Lake City Moose. So we'd been talking for a little bit of, you know, some over a period of time. And he was trying to kind of get me to Utah. I was, had some interest in moving closer to, to Vancouver, to my family and stuff like that. So, you know, long story short, we just kind of, you know, came to an agreement where, you know, I'd come on board um, as the coach of the, the Moose for a year, and then I would take it over and, 
you know, take the team off his hands and I had a plan to rebrand it. And then that's how it became the outliers. Okay. Uh, why the outliers? Where did that name come from? I mean, I know the book of books, but yeah. Well, you just, <laughs> you got it right there. I, I read the book years ago and I was just kind of fascinated by the, the premise of it all. And just, you know, what, allows people to be successful and kind of how they create advantages in their life and things like that. And, you know, when I was just looking at a hockey team and just different ways you build it and what we're trying to do with the athletes, I really just, you know, kind of thought it was a really good fit, you know, an outlier basically describes someone that, you know, is trying to, you know, show different value than others and stand out from others in positive ways. And I thought, you know, that kind of defines sports, you know, the teams are trying to stand out from each other and show their, you know, superiority and same with the players. They're competing with, you know, different athletes across the world and, and trying to gain opportunities. So I just thought it was it was a fitting name and it was different. Yeah, I like it. It's, it is unique and different. And I hope a lot of people understand that that's what it is and and maybe inspires more people to read the book. <laughs> um, with, the US, with the USPHL, so talking about trying to, you know, get your athletes to stand out and help them advance. Tell me a little bit about this league um why you guys decided to move into it and how it's benefited you and your players since then yeah so when I first came here we were playing in the western states league and I think over time there was a lot of teams coming and going throughout the league the travel schedule started to get kind of disrupted and I know in our last year in the western states you know we were traveling to Seattle and Oregon and you know different areas you know to the Western part. And it was, it was just starting to get really expensive for us. And, you know, a group of teams were kind of getting a little disgruntled with the travel schedule and the USPHL approached us and we had some conversations and, um, you know, a bunch of us from the the Western States league decided to move into the USPHL and, and kind of create our own mountain division. And then also with the idea that we had our sites to move up to a higher level where we're at tier three right now, we were looking to play eventually tier two hockey. um, And that was part of the agreement that we had that, you know, kind of enticed us to all move together as a division. And that's how we've ended up in the, the USPHL premier for the last few years. And then next year we'll move into the, to the USPHL NCDC, which is their top tier two league um, or division in the league. And it's, um, you know, at this level, you're dealing a lot more with division three athletes, you know, for NCAA, where at the next level, you're dealing with more division one athletes and even possibly, um, you know, some NHL draft pick type of players. The NCDC, that's the National College Development Conference, or is that what Correct. it stands for? No, that's what it is. <clears throat> okay. Um, are, do kids pay to play in the league you're in now or the division you're in now? Yes, they do. And then when they get to the NCDC, it's tuition free. Oh, nice. And for, for a lot of the people that, that listen and don't understand, so uh, tier one, tier two juniors, usually the separation between those is the tier one is tuition free. Tier two costs the guys anywhere from like seven to 12 grand, depending on where you're living. Does that, does that sound right to you? I'd say no. I'd say at, at tier one, everything is free. Your billeting is free. The hockey is free. You know, they, they give you a fair amount of equipment and things like that. At the tier two level, you know, one of the big differences is the players are still responsible for their housing cost. Um, and we probably, you know, don't give them quite as much of the, the equipment 
packages that you might see in tier one. We'll still give them some equipment and sticks and things like that, but they'll probably at the tier one level furnish them with skates and all the hardcore equipment and stuff like that. You don't typically see that at the tier two level. So that and the housing cost is the is the big difference. Yeah, that's one of the things I want to talk about too, because uh, a few years ago, I was able to help the outliers out and get some billets in there. And uh, it's such a unique and cool experience for people. And I don't think a lot of people understand it. It's You're not going to make money off it. That's not what it's about, really. Uh, you get paid, I think it's like 400 bucks a month uh, is what it was a few years ago. I don't know if it's the same. Yeah, but right. like you open your house to a couple, usually one or two players. Um, typically, they can get themselves to and from the rink, but they live with you. You cook food for them. And then you get to go to the games. You have more of a vested interest in watching them play and you develop these relationships and like, even like tier one, tier two, doesn't matter. Like you have these kids living with you, you get to watch them and do whatever they do next. And they become part of your family. A lot of the players really do become part of your family. And what I've noticed, and I kept, I I lived with a billet family for a year and uh, I kept track and in contact with them uh, until he was my coach passed away. And I I keep in track uh, touch with his kids and we're still friends. And when they come to Utah, they stay at my house and it's, it's just such a cool opportunity that I don't think a lot of people understand. They just look at, Oh, I'm only going to make $400 a month after letting some kid rent in my house. But that's, I don't think that's what it's about at all. So here's your chance to give a pitch. If you're looking for billets for next season. <laughs> well, number one, the, the billets are a massive part of our program. I mean, it doesn't matter how well our, coaching staff or the management group is going to organize the the team aspect if you don't have families for the players to you know stay with there there is no team and we have players that are coming from all over the world so you know we don't have very many local kids here so we really do rely on those billets to be a big part of the program and and to your point exactly i mean they really become like a second family for the players I mean, there's just some tremendous relationships that are built. They really become big fans of the team and showing up and cheering them on. And, you know, a lot of times these players are, you know, a big brother, you know, to the kids in the family that they're staying at. So there's a connection there. Some play hockey, some don't, but, you know, they're still supporting them in whatever activity that they're involved in. And and I do, I think it's great. I mean, I'm still, you know, I played junior hockey decades ago. And uh, I'm still in touch with my billet family um, to this day. And like you said, there's there's great relationships. And it's kind of funny because sometimes I'll get calls from the players over the summertime and they'll be like, you know, hey, I'm in town and stuff like that. And I'm like, in town, you're from Europe. Like, what are you doing here? And they're like, oh, I'm just visiting my billet family for the week, you know, and vice versa. I, I talk to other families and, hey, we're going to Switzerland in you know July to go visit you know, player so-and-so, you know, that lived with them and, you know, they've created relationships and got to see different parts of the world. So, you know, you're absolutely correct when nobody's doing it for the money, they're, they're doing it for the generosity um, and the opportunity to create some relationships. And really they're a massive driving force in helping these players achieve their dreams. Yeah. I think it's an amazing uh, and most oftentimes misunderstood opportunity and it's just it's such a cool like life enhancer like you just it's just a cool experience i've always thought um i only i only stopped doing it because i had a daughter and i was like "Ah, i'm just gonna let her be only have a couple hockey players between me and my son that was enough hockey players in the house for (laughs) my daughter and her friends 
Um, so let's talk a little bit. You guys moved to the USPHL, and it's you and Ogden. Who Now, I coached in the Ogden system for a little bit, and I got to be a little bit of a part of that rivalry. And it just seems like that rival, rivalry blossomed quite a bit. You guys are competitive now. Uh, it seems like every time I follow the games, uh, you're splitting series or, like, nobody's running away with it. Um, I didn't watch the games as close this season, but it seems like you guys are pretty competitive. And uh, how many times a season do you guys play each other now? It varies. I think it's been typically probably not much less than nine, and it can be as high as 12. And, and to your point again, that, you know, ever since I've been here um, in in 2015, I think it was, and, you know, with the one year with the Moose and then with the Outliers, it, it's been a great rivalry. We've had a ton of competitive games. Like you said, there's a lot of back and forth going on with, you know, both teams having success against each other. We've had some great playoff battles and, um, you know, we'll see what happens this year if we, if we meet up, but yeah, they've got a really good program. They do a good job and they're a good competitor for us and we enjoy the rivalry. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. How many of your players in the past few years, have you, you mentioned that you're mostly dealing with the NCAA Division Three. Do you, off the top of your head, head, know how many guys you sent into NCAA or... And then obviously there's ACHA, but how many, how many guys have you sent NCAA? I really do not have a number. I should know that off the top of my head, but it's been a lot. We've had a lot of success moving guys on. I mean, this year, you know, we may have as high as 10 guys get opportunities. And, you know, I would say pretty much every single player that comes to our team um, has NCAA opportunities. And that it's very rare that, you know, we have guys that we can't move to that level where the coaches or the scouts are not interested in them. So we tell players that want to come play here, like you got, you know, if you look at our history, literally it's close to, if not a hundred percent of the players that want to play college hockey, get those opportunities. Now saying that some do choose to play in ACHA, um, you know, primarily division one and ACHA has really kind of come on in the last few years from academic packages that they're offering the kids to, you know, just the the quality of the program that they're putting together. Um, so, you know, based on where they're, you know, situated in the U.S., we, we definitely have players that choose ACHA over NCAA. But like I said, we, we have a high, high number of players that move on and pretty much the kids that want to play NCAA, we get them opportunities. Yeah, that's one of the things uh, a lot of people don't understand too is, and I, man, uh, 10 years ago, it would have been unheard of to have like an NCAA opportunity, but to pick ACHA. 
But nowadays, that's not – when you look at the schools that are NCAA Division three. if you don't get a full ride, you're talking schools that are 60,000, 70,000 a year. Uh, the same thing happened with my son. He, when we were looking at him playing NCAA soccer, and we're like – we looked at schools that were looking at him, and they're like, Pepperdine, 90 grand a year. Hey, but we're going to give you one-third or two-thirds tuition. And I'm like, I still can't afford the rest of it as a fireman. Yeah. But – for these hockey players that have ACHA as an offer, ACHA D1, there are teams that could compete and beat NCAA Division Three teams. I, I, yeah. I know that. Like, I've, no, I've seen No it. question. No yeah. question. And, I, and so now for that to be an opportunity, and like with the University of Utah and what they've done with their program here, it just seems like a good fit for, you know, former outliers or Mustangs or whatever to, hey, they use ten grand a year. So even if you pay a little bit to play hockey, you're still in a good program. You get to play a good sport. Um, you know, you're you're not going to dumb it down a ton with your hockey experience. You get to go play and get a good education for and not be in a ton of debt when you're done. So yeah, well, we've had we've had players that have chosen the University of Utah over NCAA programs. To, you know, so exactly what you said. I mean, they come here, they fall in love with you know Salt Lake and and Utah in general, and you know they see what they're trying to build at you know, over there at the University of Utah and those guys are working hard. And, you know, we've sent some some of our players that have had success and enjoyed the experience. And now they're trying to recruit more players and tell them about how they played for the outliers. So there's a connection there. And, you know, they make that decision rather than going to Team X out east in the NCAA that, you know, gave them that offer, but instead they chose to stay in Utah. So you, you definitely see that um, a lot more today than you did even, I'd say, four to five years ago, there was a lot of kids that were kind of turning their nose up to ACHA. And I think that's, you know, starting to change now. I think so too. I, I think, and it makes sense as a parent, like when you, cause I told my son, I'd pay half of whatever he didn't get in scholarship. And, uh, and then I started seeing him look at 90,000 or 70,000 a year. I'm like, uh, let's just go local. <laughs> i keep the in-state stuff. Um, all right. So, you said you don't have a lot of Utah players on your team now. Do you have any Utah-born players on your team right now? We do. We have, we have a goaltender named Jackson Letty that grew up in, in Utah playing a lot of his youth hockey. He moved to Colorado when he got a little bit older and then over to Omaha. Um, but we got him back uh, in our program this year. I think I worked with him when he was younger. Maybe he's a bell. Um Okay, so let's talk. You've got playoffs coming up. Oh, you know, before I get into that, I want to talk. You got, you've got definitely have Utah people helping you, and you've got some colorful, interesting people from around here that are diehard supporters of the team, like uh, you know Bill that helped set, set this up, and uh, Leon, the big. He was a huge Grizzlies fan for a long time. How did you guys get him on board? And that's got to help having a guy like him in the stands. That's just a natural born leader and just a fun guy to be around and really makes the crowd experience a little bit better. How did you meet him? Honestly, I do not know how Leon first got involved. He's, he's such a staple of the program. Now he's been around for so long. I guess I just kind of, you know, take it for granted where I forget exactly how that relationship started. I know he was a, you know, was, is still a big Grizzly fan and was going to those games and somehow either somebody pulled him to one of our games or he got drawn to come check it out. And, and then he's become a, a diehard for us. I mean, he's at, you know, all the local games, it seems, whether we're at home or Ogden or Provo, you can see Leon in the stands and, you know, he's gotten to know the different players in our billet family. So yeah, he's become like the super fan for the Utah outliers. 
He's a lot of fun. I've known that I've known that man since I was 13 or 14 years old. I've always been impressed with him. He's always just such a such a positive force wherever he goes. He just brings this vibe with him, and that's that's a huge asset for you guys. I think he's a lot of fun, and it, it's funny. I bet he doesn't really know how to use social media, but he has a huge social media presence thanks to his other friends and his own, you know, Leon's family page and all that stuff. It's pretty fun. He's a great guy. Yeah, I think I think he's posting a few things here and there about our games and, and different things. And and honestly, I mean, that's really junior hockey in a nutshell right there. Like those are, you know, that what makes junior hockey special is when you get people like that. And I think that's the nice part about this level, you know, junior hockey being U20, you know, all the players are our you know, 20 and under is that, you know, you get fans like that and then they get access to our, our management or our billet families and the players where, you know, at the professional level, you're not really going to get that quite as much. So to me, like Leon is like, you know, he fits perfectly in that junior hockey space. I know our players really enjoy him and the different families, but it also just kind of reminds me of what junior hockey is, you know, such a big part of it is, is that fan interaction with the the players and the program in general. That's awesome. And I, I'm thinking back, a uh, kid that I actually went to college with in North Dakota, he's, uh, he became kind of that thing in Topeka. And uh, I just get random phone calls or random texts from him anytime a Utah player goes through or used to go through, like when Daniel Brickley was out there and stuff. And like, he's that. He, they call him Bucket Man. And everybody knows who Bucket Man is because he runs around the stadium playing a huge bucket and just uh, kind of brings that European feel to the game. We're just making noise the whole time and having a good time the, the entire time. Yes. And, and you're right. That's a huge part of junior hockey. All right. So you guys have playoffs coming up. Uh, first, you're playing Idaho. Yeah. Idaho is Falls right? is our, our first opponent that we'll play this, this weekend. It's, it's the best of the three. So it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, if necessary. So um, we just finished having a bye weekend for finishing first in our division. Um, so now we'll, well, we now we know who we're playing after that first series of, of games in the quarterfinals were played with Idaho Falls and Northern Colorado and Ogden or sorry and um, Provo played Pueblo and Pueblo defeated Provo. So we get Idaho Falls and Ogden will take on Pueblo. Okay, so you are all these games at the Acord? It's all yeah, three, all three home games for you? Are, are they go to the whoever is the higher seed gets home ice advantage for the series? And are they all three game series? Yes. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. So how much is the ticket to go watch the outliers? $12. 12 bucks. It's cheaper than a movie bucks. most of the time. Yeah. Uh, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday night. What's Saturday? Time? It's actually Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We had a, oh, an issue okay. with our schedule and we typically do play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you're right in that it's a weekend driven league. We just happen to have a glitch in the schedule. So we have to play Saturday, Sunday, Monday, which isn't the most ideal having to play on a Monday, but our our focus is going to be to to win in two and not have to play Monday. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, so Saturday, what time? 7 p.m. Saturday, 7 p.m. at the Acord. You can get in for 12 bucks. I mean, that's 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 awesome. Cheap hockey. I'd love to go see that. Okay. Um, and you know, here's your chance to say whatever you want to say to the people that listen to this podcast every week. Um Give us a, give us your pitch on why people should come watch the outliers and be interested in the outliers. Well, I think it's, you know, it's family fun, you know, entertainment. So it's, it's a good place to, to take your kids and just in general to go out and, and watch a sporting event. I mean, these players are, are talented athletes. 
Um, uh, they're, they're very good players in their own right. And they're, they're moving on to, to some higher levels that you're going to see these guys succeed in. So, you know, the game itself is entertaining. The quality of the athletes is really good. And, you know, we get a good, you know, following and a good crowd and the energy and the excitement that's around. And I think playoffs in general for any sport is probably the most exciting time of the year. Um, so I think there, there's a lot of draws to it that way that, you know, if you're a sports fan and, you know, you also want to see a bunch of young guys from all over the world kind of coming to Utah and, you know, representing this program and this community and, you know, trying to give it their all so that they can, you know, win this series and move on to the next and hopefully compete for a national championship, then I would encourage people to come check it out. Awesome. And I agree hundred percent, Paul, and, and thanks for what you're doing around here, man. The, the outliers are awesome. I've seen them interact. Uh, a lot of times I'll go to my men's league game or whatever, and you get there and there's some outlier players that are still interacting and with the, with the young kids on it, like a, whatever skate, you know, drop in or, uh, stick and puck and just helping out. And it's good to have kids like that come in and interact with our kids and help just feed the flame and uh, help grow the game of hockey here in Utah. So thanks for coming to Utah and helping us out and building this program. It's a lot of fun and I'm excited. Good luck in playoffs. And uh, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, 12 bucks. I mean, you can't beat that. It sounds pretty awesome. Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. And that is the Utah Puck Report. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.